Hey, everybody, Alan Arnett here, and welcome to a very special edition of the podcast on alanarnett.com. It is Sunday, May 16th, and I have a couple of weather professionals with us because there's something brewing off the coast of India. Michael Fagan of Everest Weather and Chris Tomer of Tomer Weather Solutions. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Alan. Yeah. Appreciate it. Good to be <laughs> here. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking you know, a little bit of your Sunday afternoon to talk about this. So I guess we've got this um, we've got this big uh, this big typhoon building off of the uh, coast of India, and it's got a chance to come in. It's going to make a sharp turn, and then it's going to wiggle waggle, and who knows? It may hit the three big uh, eight thousand meter mountains in Nepal, Dalagari, um, Dalagiri. I always get dinged for not saying it right, Dalagiri, uh, Makalu, and of course, Everest. Um, Chris, you were telling me earlier that you think that Dalagiri might get uh, some snow, but we'll get into that. So right now, we've got people at Camp 2, 3, and maybe even the South Cold on their summit bids. We've got people leaving tomorrow, Monday. In fact, it's already Monday in, in Nepal. It's 1 o'clock in the morning over there, so they're probably up and eating breakfast, getting ready to head up. And uh, it looks like if this thing does hit, it could go from maybe as early as the 18th or all the way through the 21st. So, um, Chris, why don't, you, why don't you tee it up for us? Well, I, I just, I've been sort of looking at this for the last couple of days, and I thought this, this could be a real player. And so this morning, it kind of hit critical mass for me. I, I messaged uh, Michael, and I, and I said, you know, what's your take on this thing? Because... I just basically had communicated. I've got two teams on Everest and one on Makalu. And I said, I think we need to stand down from the 18th to the 21st. And we're going to have to wait for this cyclone to pass. And Michael, you, you replied and you were on the same page. Yeah. I mean, I've been monitoring too. I, I sent uh, Alan a little message last week, you know, saying that it looks like there's going to be a cyclone brewing. So I've been following it. And then uh, one of my clients was going to be going up, uh, I think they're aiming for the, the 20th, and then he looked at my forecast with the potential snow and winds, and uh, fortunately, they decided just to stay at base camp. So, yeah, me, I think Chris and I have been on the exact same page with this, and, and those uh, a lot of the uh, internet-based models com are completely missing this, which is pretty typical. Yeah, I was going to bring that up and, and not to throw stones at anybody because, you know, as I think Chris always summarizes when we discuss this, you know, the, typically these things are a point in time where they take a particularly known weather uh, condition and then they extrapolate it based upon altitude and pressure and distance and winds. So, but they are computer models. And of course, both of you use computer models to, um, you know, to end up with your final forecast. But this is then where the judgment comes into play. Michael, you've been, when did you, when would you first start doing Everest weather forecast? Uh, what year? 2003. Okay. So you, so you're just a kid. You've been doing it for 17 years. <laughs> and Chris, you've, kid, you've been, you. you've been doing weather for, I don't know how long. Let's see here. So you're, you're yeah, 18 I years mean, old. It was so informal you're... for, you know, since 2003 ish, but then more formally for the, about the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what makes this just really fascinating. And I think the risk is that you know, if you just look at certain pieces of information right now and you decide to go for the summit, this could be a real problem. Yeah, again, we were just reviewing some of these computer forecasts before we uh, began this, uh, this interview recording. And, uh, and most of them are not, they're not catching it on the 18th, 19th and 20th that the winds could be, you know, I don't know, we'll, we'll get into this in a second, how high they could get. But Chris, talk to us a little bit about the snow on Dalagiri. 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on ultimately the track of this thing, but it's going to lay down a swath of snow and, and it'll basically run right perpendicular into the Himalaya. So, you know, it's possible we could see very heavy accumulations in, in some of those peaks like Dalagiri. Maybe it shifts around a little bit. Um, and my curiosity was, okay, well, how much is going to make it to Everest, Mokalu, yeah. where my people are? And I do think someone's going to make it. And just looking at some of the latest numbers, latest information, I'm actually probably going to forecast more snow than what I was even this morning. And Michael uh, was forecasting more than me. So I, that seems to be a real possibility now. Is there a, is there a, a pointy part to the bell curve of when it hits Everest, Michael? Well, I, you want me to show uh, some of the graphs, uh, some of the maps? Yep. So we're going to use this advanced technology. <laughs> Uh, sharing the screen to see if we can actually do it or not. Oh my gosh. So the first question is, Michael, how do you pronounce the name of this tropical cyclone? I call it 1A. <laughs> That'll work. I, I didn't want to try to butcher it. I'm sorry okay. about that. All right. So let's look at the track. What does it look so like? So this is the track uh, from the uh, cyclone center. So May 17th, you see the arrow. Uh, it's going to be 100 mile per hour winds off the coast. Here's Everest. Now, a lot of the models are saying, well, gee, the uh, cyclone so far away from Everest, that's going to have little impact, but there's an awful lot of moisture in, in this. And uh, where's the next one? <laughs> it always makes me feel good when people can't do their PowerPoint. Thanks a lot. <laughs> appreciate that. What's the advance button? <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, what is going on here? Oh, there we are. Sorry about that. No problem. Okay, so there's average. Oh. Now this is, yeah. if you could read the uh, fine print, basically the purple colors are 50 uh, millimeters of, if it was all rain. This is cumulative rain from May 18th uh, to May 20th. And if it were all snow, Everest would get 20 inches oh. or 50 centimeters. Now, this is the Canadian model. Uh, one might say this has been the outlier in the sense that this is showing the most amount of snow. But it's been pretty consistent. So this baby's going to hug the coast yeah. of India and then turn right. Right. Now, if you look at the GFS model for the exact same period, it's showing significantly less snow. It's showing cumulative snow of six inches. So GFS uh, tends to be more accurate. Is the European model right? The G yes, the GFS is the U.S. government one. And oh, I'm sorry. Which, and the European model is similar to this. It's mainly the Canadian model and the U.S. Navy model are showing the high snowfalls. But this is not unusual. As I'm sure Chris will testify anytime you have a big cyclone, the, the models are all over the place. The, the bottom line is, as Chris indicated, someone's going to get nailed. I think that, I think the Euro will come on board. I, I think we're looking at snow on all those peaks. And, and the reason for that, Michael, you can attest to this, is that low-level jet and the subtropical jet. And I think that's going to be the main reason why people cannot summit is that, is that subtropical jet stream. Um, I think that's going to be the key player in all this. I actually had to go back and look at 1996 because um, one of there was some reanalysis done on this, 
And um, one of the key factors in that incident, May 9th through the 12th in 1996, was the low-level jet stream, hmm. the subtropical jet stream in that area, straight out of the Arabian Sea. Um, and, and you can see this, Michael, on the 18th, there's a little clipper that comes through and that dip, same kind of setup in 96, you have the, you have the clipper that comes through and then the door opens with that, that subtropical jet and all that moisture and all that wind at 18 to 20,000 feet just comes right in. GFS doesn't really pick up on this. So I, I, th I think you got to watch this. I think the risk is there. The, you know, the risk is significant. And I've seen several cyclones like this where uh, you know, the models totally underestimated the snow and there was like 20, 30 inches of snow and other times it's done the opposite. So the bottom line, the potential is really there. There's an awful lot of moisture from the cyclone and someone's going to get nailed and then, you know, probably staying at base camp might make the, the best decision at this point. What's the uh, similarities with 2019 with uh, Cyclone Fanny that hit in early May? It also was similar that it kind of came up from the Bay of Bengal and then the big question was, was it going to veer to the right? It ended up kind of more staying to the left and then it just the outer bands hit ever so both sides and they got smacked. Yeah, I think Fanny was more of a direct hit. It, it came right up from the Bay of Bengal pretty much directly. This is sort of going around them, if you will. Uh, that, that was a difference I, I saw. I'm trying to remember that storm. And I think you're right. Obviously, the source region is different with these two. Um, but it feels like this one has more moisture available with it. I could be totally wrong. But I think with the addition of this subtropical jet, which basically is going to come up to the right and it's going to hit parallel, perpendicular, excuse me, perpendicular right. to the Himalaya. And I think that's more of an issue than when Fanny came up because that one was already further to the east. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the subtropical jet was as big of a player as it's going to be here. So do we have uh, the cyclone and the, and the jet interacting or is the jet going to be further to the north at this point? Well, I, and, and just my take on this is, you know, I think people are really excited that the three, that the, the jet stream, the main yeah. jet is going to, well, it looks like it, if you look at a lot of the internet stuff, it looks like it's going to break loose and it, it should be a great summit, but <laughs> that's only half the story. If you have a more high res model, you'll see that it pulls in some of this wind that's going to be coming off of uh off of the cyclone and it actually entrains some of that wind and it stays dirty on the summit 18 19 20 and 21 and i, I just you know I, I don't know if the gfs has the capability to be honest to see this coming yeah yeah the gfs seems to consistently miss the boat especially with the winds so right now you um, communicate with your clients on Everest by uh, you know what text, email, carrier pigeon, a lot of different yes. techniques, and uh, and so Chris, you you used the phrase in the very beginning of this that uh, climbers stand down. That's pretty that's pretty strong. Yeah, because everybody's so gung ho. I mean, I it's just like I know, like Michael said, people are already, or you said, they're already staged at two and three and maybe even higher, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, I know you, I know that it's like, man, you can taste it, right? You can see that, wow, the jet is supposed to move away and the winds look light, but I think you just got to wait this one out. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a this is really the hard time when you you get up there and you think you're ready to go. Um, and I've seen this many, many times over the years. I've been following that. I've experienced it myself personally that you get up here at Camp Two, and then all of a sudden, you know, the forecast changes, and it's like, okay, come back down to base camp, and we got to wait down here for another five, six, seven days. And that is part of the bargain when you go. And up. it's no, and there's no perfect solution to this. It's certainly possible that the storm goes a lot further west and completely misses Everest. That's certainly possible. I mean, one of the big peaks is gonna get nailed real hard. That's a certainty. Where's the bullseye is the million dollar question. And I know the GFS seems to be thinking all the precipitation is gonna go well to the west and the Canadian model, which seems to be getting it, is showing all the major peaks getting it. So we'll, we will see, but it's, uh, you know, I don't necessarily tell my clients to stand down, although I could see one saying that for sure with this. I mean, I give them the facts and, you know, they can make the decision, but when they're seeing 20 inches of snow and <laughs> winds at 50, 60 miles per hour, it's pretty obvious. We so, know what Michael, did you notice is. that the winds, even on the GFS, are really not perfect on those days? I mean, really, I mean, ideally, you'd like it to be even lighter than what the GFS Oh, right. Is. Yeah, it's right. Far from perfect. Yeah, normally it's, it's thir under 30 miles an hour on the summit. I mean, you can tolerate higher winds maybe up to Camp 3 and maybe even at the South Cole, maybe 35, 40, and maybe 35 on the summit bid. But once you get over that, I don't care, you know, what kind of uh, down suit you're in, you're going to suffer. <laughs> A question for you, Alan. Today is, okay, so it's, it's 16th. It's already the next day over there, right? right? I mean, it's the 17th. So, I mean, have you heard of anybody that is at camp four and was like, we're just, we're going to rock and roll early. Uh, I, I, I cannot confirm it, but I'm 90% sure that there are people at camp four right now, because I think they were shooting for the 20th and the 21st. And um, I think they wanted to get a jump on the, so right now I think there's about 300 people that are left, including Sherpas that are left to go for the summit. 172 have already summited roughly and that so that leaves about 300 and that includes uh, taking the Frutenbach team out and they just canceled their expedition due to COVID um, and so a lot of people wanted to jump and get ahead of everybody else because um, they, they were all targeting the 20th and the 21st so now uh, in fact I just read a an update from a summit climb and they had two scenarios one was the 20th and the 21st and the other one was the 25th um, so now you know this the cyclone removes one of their options. And now they're down just to one option, you know, according to their look. In fact, it's a good segue. I wanted to ask you both. Um, so clearly it's, this is not the end of the 2021 uh, spring season. Uh, typically uh, the Nepal side runs until around June 1st and that's when it becomes too warm and the ice fall melts out and the ice fall doctor doesn't melt out. It just becomes more um, dangerous. And the ice fall doctors uh, stop maintaining the ladders around June 1st. May, May 31st is traditionally when they just pull the plug. So that gives us about, if, if this thing goes through the 21st, you know, that gives us another, you know, eight or nine days, 300 people, if the weather holds, they can do that. Chris, you've seen a decent window from May 24th and on? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think if people can wait this out, I think they'll be rewarded. I think that that, like you and I had, had a brief conversation about that i think that yeah if we can just get through this i think we'll be all right all right 
Sometimes retreat is the better part of valor. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Well, and, it's uh, such an interesting situation, uh, Alan. I mean, from, I mean, who would have thought some storm coming up way out in the Arabian Sea that is, I mean, you look at it and it's like, it is just, it's way out there, right? How can, like Michael said, it's going to take this turn. I mean, so you're telling me we're in position at Camp 2 and we can't summit on the 20th when we're looking at these forecasts and it's got... But no you know what? <laughs> but what happens if you're a client and you're at the high camp, and the leader says come down, and then you come down on May 20th and yeah, May 20th perfect. you don't get the snow, and <laughs> you know it's it's a tough deal. But this is risk. Yeah, it's oh. it's a it's a huge story. This the you're at Alan. You're asking the difference between this and Fanny. This one's a lot, lot bigger wind field, lot bigger moisture field. And it's going to spend a lot of time in the ocean, so it's going to be gathering more moisture. You see those temperatures in the ocean, Michael? They're pretty toasty. Yeah, it's like 90 degrees or something like that. Yeah, I was going to ask you if the warming oceans is, uh, you know, is a contributor to something like this event. I, I, I'm sure it has to be. I mean, I, I have to think about how, how non-existent the jet was for the first two weeks of, and I think that was really interesting. I, I always go back to that. I think, I don't know if I've ever seen the jet stream completely missing for the first, I don't know. There's something there, but. But we, we knew it was going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I have never in all the time I've been monitoring this traditionally. I mean, this is over, you know, uh, generalizing, but you have decent weather in most of April. And then like the first two weeks in May, it just blows up and everybody's happy. They've got the ropes to the summit. They're acclimatized. You go back down to base camp or Parache or Namshi and you hang out and then you come back for the second half of May. And that's why if you look historically, and I, I just think this is fascinating. If you go back to, you know, back from 1953 to 2019, 80% of the summits are between roughly the 17th and the, no, yeah, like 90% of the summits, sorry. 90% of the summits are between like the 17th, 18th and the 22nd. And then 80% are between the 19th and the 21st. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, it's just this really sharp bell curve. Um, and right now we are taking out the prime <laughs> days with this, uh, you know, with this unpronounceable uh, typhoon. 1-8. <laughs> well, Alan, here's a, here's a historical question for you. Um, I've read the book and obviously seen the movie and all that, but you've got much more of a background on this. Back in 96, I mean, this was before what Michael and I do now with precision weather type stuff. I mean, they just picked the date and went, right? I mean, they had no idea. Well, it was driven by a number of things, not the least of which wasn't uh, the, uh, uh, the Lama uh, declaring an auspicious day, um, you know, based upon the Buddhist calendar and also, you know, uh, the phase of the moon. Um, so there were a lot of, you know, factors that were used back then. And also, um, you know, uh, Rob Hall was, is famous for saying, you know, uh, that, that date is a, is a, is a lucky day for me because he has summited on that day, like the previous four or five years. So they had a little bit of a body of knowledge and experience. Uh, but then, you know, their base camp, uh, team received the, uh, the forecast saying that there was a typhoon in the Bay of Bengal and it was moving North. And, um, and I guess, you know, you can argue that they just decided to, you know, take their chances. And we may see the same phenomenon this time. I mean, you know, summit fever is real. And to your point, people want to get out of base camp this year. I mean, they do not want to stay there any longer than they have to. So we may see other expeditions follow Lucas Frutenbach's uh, 
you know, a lead here and say, you know, we can't spend another week at base camp and risk having more people get infected with COVID. Uh, we don't know if these weather forecasts, you know, there's always this cone of uncertainty that we've all been educated on with, you know, hurricanes that hit the U.S. And so maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. We're not going to take the chance. It's going to be an interesting 10 days. Yes, it will. <laughs> I don't think hey, there's any question. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Appreciate your expertise and your uh, your generous generosity and uh, sharing your your knowledge with us. And uh, let's just hope that all the climbers um, stay safe and they can uh, get back home. Yes, stay safe and nice chatting with the 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 Rocky Mountain duo. <laughs> <laughs> Real pleasure. Good to see you, Michael and Alan. Same here, Chris and Alan. Thanks, guys.